Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Exodus 33 in your hearing tonight. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. 33, starting at verse number 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt. Unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Parasite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst of thee. Notice that. For I will not go up in the midst of thee. For thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, and no man did put on him his ornaments. For the Lord had said unto Moses, saying to the children of Israel, You are stiff-necked people. I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee, and that I may know what to do unto thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by the Mount Horeb. Oh, could we pray together tonight? Heavenly Father, I ask your Lord to move tonight in this service. God, we need you to speak to us tonight, Lord. Hallelujah. In the seriousness of the hour that we live in, God, with the world in trouble, Lord, we need you to speak to us and to awaken us, God to this time that we're in, Lord, because it's urgent. Help me, Lord. Anoint my lips. Speak to my mind, Lord. Let me minister, God, what you've given me, Lord, with anointing and with fervor, God, that the hearts and minds of your people would be touched, encouraged, and changed. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. You can be seated in Jesus' name. Man, I want you to remember, and I'm just kind of doing this so, so we can get a, just some kind of a feeling maybe from it. You know, the, the, the Bible said, and the Lord said, he said, told Israel, he told them from the very start, he said, I'm going to dwell in the midst of thee. So I'm just going to kind of, you know, put this is, let this represent his tabernacle. So we're going to put it here, and he said he'd dwell among us. I don't want of you to get any more of it than the other, and so move it right in the midst of you. Amen. And uh, so tonight, I want to minister something to you that the Lord has been, I've just had been praying about this ever since pastor had asked me if I'd minister tonight or if I'd do whatever I felt to do. And uh, I happened to run on to, and I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm, I think all ministers do that, that when you're reading and things, you write down disjointed notes, you write some notes down and, and uh, you know, and then you'll run back through them notes once in a while, and, and I happened to, this had come to me, I'd just kind of run on to it, and, and I just, uh, ever since, I, I just seemed, couldn't get it out of my mind, 
So I just felt like that God led me to do something with it and uh, felt confirmed about it as I'd prayed and sought him and been up a few nights even just teach, just praying, praying and studying God's word. I want to preach on this subject when God moved out. Serious subject. It's, in fact, it's even a serious thought when you think about God moving out. You know, we are used to coming into this service and, and we feel the presence of God every time we come here. But I wonder what it'd be like if God just moved out. Amen. So I want to preach a little bit about that. The backdrop of our story tonight uh, in chapter 33, the backdrop to this story was Moses had been upon Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights, receiving instruction from the Lord how to put the tabernacle together, uh, what he expected of his people, their, uh, the laws and all of the things that they must do, the offerings and all of the things and the burnt offerings, the sacrifice and all the things that was expected of them. And, and Moses was there uh, to receive also the tables, two tables of stone, which had the commandments written on them by the very, the Bible said, the finger of God. I know we all would use a pen, pencil, but God uses his finger. He can write on stone with his finger. I, can't you almost see that? Some flower flying? I, you know. Amen. And the people thought that Moses had been gone too long. You know, to, you, know, you know how it is when, you know, the boss is away, the mouse will play, you know, so to speak. Well, they felt like he'd been gone too long. and They needed something to do. So they talked to Aaron, their priest. Man. And uh, he took their, he said, Let's, you, you just take off your earrings. Now, don't say nothing about anything else. Just said he's there, their earrings. He took off their earrings, and uh, all of them give them to him. He put them in a fire, and you know the story. They made a molten calf or a golden calf, whatever, but the Bible says molten calf. And after he had made that molten calf, Aaron made an altar. Before that golden cap, and they began to worship it. Amen. And then they were going to have a feast the next day. They were going to have burnt offerings and sacrifices and all that good stuff. And the Bible said they worshiped that golden cap, and then they ate and became merry, and they danced, and they stripped off their clothes. They got drunken. And the Bible said they rose up to play. Man, that's a, that's a dangerous thing to play in the house of God. Amen. So God told Moses, he said, I want you to take these two tables of stones and I want you to get you down because the people that you have brought up, he don't say they're my people now, he said those people that you brought up out of Egypt uh, they're, 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 they're engaged in some things that they shouldn't have. They've made a molten calf. They've worshipped it. And uh, the story is when Moses is coming down the mountain and he's carrying these two tables of stone, and about the time he gets to the bottom of the mountain and he sees what they are involved in, he throws the stones down and he breaks them. And uh, that brings us, uh, amen, to two verses that I want to read in Exodus 32, 34, and 35, just before our scripture text begins. He says, Therefore now go, lead the people unto the place of which I've spoken to thee. Behold, mine angel, here he reiterates, the angel shall go before thee, Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. And the Lord plagued the people because they had made a calf. Now listen to this. Which they had made a calf 
which Aaron made. So it's, what it's telling you is basically they all had a part in making the golden calf. Hallelujah. Don't that sound exciting? Amen. Hallelujah. But let me tell you early, Christian people sitting here tonight, that the children of Israel had already broke those stones before Moses ever broke them. Before he ever headed down the mountain, can I tell you, those stones, those commandments were broken before Moses broke them. Now I want us to notice, I'm going to go through this kind of, not verse actually by verse, but almost. In Exodus 33, then in verse 1 and 2, we find that uh, Moses uh, told the Lord to depart and get up hence. Go up hence. Thou and thy people which thou hast brought up. He said, I want you to take these people and I want you to take them to the land that I've promised. And I'll send an angel before thee. Verse 1 and 2. He, he explains, I'm going to send an angel before thee. Now that sounds good, but I'm going to tell you, I'd rather have a disgruntled God with me than to have an angel. Hallelujah. But God said in verse 3, but I'm not going up with you. What a sad thing, church, that the Lord says, I'm going to send an angel, but I'm not going. I don't know, but it would make me feel very uneasy if God said, I'm not going, I'll send the angel. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, glory be to the Lord. And uh, we find out here that then in verse 4, the people begins their crying and their mourning. And they began to mourn about this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They began to mourn about it. And uh, God tells them then in verse 5, to put off the ornaments which he decides while he decides what he's going to do with them. Now this is the same God who said that I'm going to dwell among them. And he says I want you to I want you to take off your ornaments because I've got to decide what I'm going to do. Amen. So uh, they take off their ornaments. In fact the Bible said they didn't even put them on and and uh, here we go, they've disobeyed, they've already uh, made a golden calf, and God's angry with them. He's brought them this far, but he said, I'm not going any farther. You, I'll send an angel, and you can take them on up to the promised land, but I'm not going to go with you. I'm not going to be in your midst any longer. And then we get to verse 7, amen, which is, where I wanted to really get to. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp. In other words, can I tell you, the Lord said, I'm tired of all your business. I'm tired of all your sins. I'm tired of what you've done. And I'm not going to live in the midst of you anymore. So he said, I'm going to move the tabernacle. I'm just going to leave. I'm moving out. So God moves out. We'll open the doors like we used to at the old place. So God moves out. Now I want you to know something. As I begin to study this, I begin to get a hold of some other things that, that maybe we don't realize really, but I want to tell you, God takes the tabernacle and he moves it on the outside of the camp. Everybody said outside. Because now what God takes a long, hard look at and he sees now a camp, a camp of people that he sees that are profane. So he says, I'm moving out. I'm, I'm going to move the tabernacle outside the camp. I'm going to move it afar off. And I should have moved it across the street, but couldn't see it. He said, I'm not staying in the midst of such people 
uh, like you all that's stiff-necked and have done all these things, but I'm going to move out. I'm, I'm moving the temple outside. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move my presence outside. Now, and I began to think about this, Brother Mason, and I, I thought, you know, if God moved the tabernacle outside, then God's Shekinah moves outside. Think about that. So now the pillow of cloud and the pillow of fire that went before and behind them, the one that give them light in the nighttime and the other that give them shade by the day so they wouldn't get too hot, that pillow of cloud and the pillow of fire now moves outside with the tabernacle. I'm telling you, he left Israel in the dark. The light that shined was afar off from the camp. They could see it. I don't know. His Shekinah might have been so bright, it still lit him up. Bible don't tell us that, but I know his Shekinah really shines. So he moves it outside the camp. Church, it's a sad thing when things look better on the outside of the church than they do on the inside. I want to preach this a while because I believe this is the stage in the day and the hour that we live in. There is churches every place. But there are churches that you can go into that they've got a form of godliness, but there's not a zap of spiritual feeling at all. Yet we come to church, Brother Mike, Every time the doors are open and we come through those doors and we feel the presence of God in the singing. We feel the presence of God in the ministering. We feel God at the altar and we're so blessed. Yet God said, Israel, I'm tired of it. I'm sick of it and I'm moving out and I'm taking my presence with me. Ain't that what you want? Hallelujah. Oh, glory. And then I began to think about that. Hallelujah. Things looking better on the outside than they do the inside. Let me tell you, that's where Satan takes you. He takes you on the outside of this camp. Every time you walk out these church doors, you walk out into a world that's full of trouble. Come on. It's, it's full of sin. You just, you just turn on the TV and watch the news and it'll make your head spin around and around of all the things that are going on. And I'm going to tell you, we are sheltered from that. Amen. Because we're in the presence of God. I'm going to tell you though, this thing, when you walk out in the world, you're bound to see it. Amen. It's going to show up at your workplace, in the IGA, even in the Walmart. It'll show up there too, even if it is the apostolic place to go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to notice, God in this scripture is teaching us separation already. When it's wrong, then we must separate ourselves from it and not be a part of it. Come on. When, when it's sin, we, know, we must move out. We must not be a part of the sin. God said, I won't be a part of what they're doing. I'm not going to be a part. I'm not going to let no light shine on them. I'm going to move outside. I'm going to tell you, church, we must leave the camp of the steady. Come on. See, let, let, let me back up a minute. The largest company in the world is not those that oppose God, but it's those that neglect God. Come on. There, there's not near as op much opposition as there as those that just neglect God. Everybody's a Christian today. Just ask them. Everybody's going to heaven. Any funeral you go to, they went to heaven. I don't care what kind of life they live. Well, they're in a better place. I'm sorry that my Bible don't teach that. It tells me that heaven's or no, hell's the one that enlarged itself. It wasn't heaven. Come on. Bible said, straight is the gate and narrows away, and few there be that find it. Hallelujah. Yet today, there is a group that's even in the church world, and I hate to say it, 
But there is people that is in the church that attends church every service that fall under the category of the neglecting God. Come on. I have watched people for all the years that I've been pastoring, and I've had some people that have always come to church, but they never did get right, Brother Mason. I've seen, I can remember down in the first church, Sister McGee, I can remember a man that used to come and bib over halls, and he sat on our pews, and he would ask questions, amen, on Sunday morning in Sunday school class. And a few times I've seen God get a hold of him so much, Brother Terry, that he would shake the pew in front of him, and tears would roll down his cheeks, but yet he wouldn't make his way to the altar. And I preached his funeral, and as far as I know, he never, ever found God. Come on, church. I don't want God to move on the outside of our church. I want him to stay in here, in the midst of us. But if he's going to stay in the midst of us, you and I is going to have to do something to keep him here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, glory. I don't want him to move out. I, don't, I want to feel his presence. I like the presence of God that I feel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church, we must leave the camp. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get down where we live tonight. You all don't mind. I'm just going to preach. Amen. We must leave the camp of the stet. Now, you notice the words. And hold on to them because I'm not out until I'm through with this. I'm not through. We must leave the camp of the steady and the sedate. People in church are sedated. Yet they're steady. And the thoughtful. For these are the multitudes who think not like God. And whose ways are not like his ways. Who are in every respect conformed outwardly to the laws of God. And who observe the customs of the upright society. Who think and abhor the trifles of the world. Come on, I'm talking about their claim to be Christians. And, and, and they, may, they may look good on the outside but who have never learned to set their affections on things above. Come on. There is all kinds of people that are going to church, and they go, and I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, and they pay their tithes, and they listen to the preacher, and they say amen once in a while. Come on. I'm going to, I might as well just go ahead. I'm going to meddle a little bit. And they even get up and they may come and worship. Come on now. They may even speak in tongues, Brother Terry. Come on. They may feel a little presence of God every now and then, get shuck a little bit. Come on. God says, I want you to be separate. I want you to be different. Come on. Hallelujah. So I want to tell you something. Church, we must separate ourselves. Come on. We must separate ourselves from the world. We must separate ourselves from the religious. Because, yes, I said the religious. It's those that say they are. Now I'm going to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something. I don't think you have to tell anybody that you're a Christian. I know enough that back a few years ago, before Sister McGee had her back surgery, we went to a doctor, and we'd never, ever seen him before in our life, dear, had we? Never. Never seen Dr. Weaver before. But when we walked back there and he began to talk to us just a little bit, he looked at us and he said, you all are Christian people. 
Well, I wonder how he knew that. He knew we were God-fearing people. Now, I know that we're living in a world sometime today when everybody takes a look and says, Oh, there goes an apostolic. I'm going to tell you, just because they're dressed a certain way don't mean they're apostolic. There's Jehovah Witness that dress that way. You can't always tell by looking. Maybe you can if you get to look into their face. Uh, stay with me. Till we can look into their face. Everybody said their face. You know why? Because I have found out something as I begin to read and study the word. And we'll, we'll find it. But glory always shows up on the face. Come on. Glory. Hallelujah. And the Bible said though that we as Christians, as saints of the living God. Who are walking uprightly before him. And in his will that we must separate ourselves from the religious. He said, I don't want you to say I'm a Christian. I want you to live that you're a Christian. Come on. We're living in a world today that you are saved by grace. What a shoddy grace. I'm saved through faith by grace. I got to believe something first. I got to believe the Bible said that he is and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I've got to believe something. And if you believe something strong enough, you'll do something about what you feel. Come on. You, you can tell me I believe in the Holy Ghost, but I want to hear you speak in tongues. Come on. You know why? Because that tells me you've got it. Come on. Hallelujah. It is an outward evidence of the inward spirit and it will speak and they began to speak in tongues as the spirit give them utterance it was by not by man it was not taught them but the spirit of God gave them utterance it was the true Holy Ghost spirit of God hallelujah and I'm telling you we got it in this place it's in here you don't have to wonder if it's here, but you can feel it in here. Ha! Whoa! Oh! Wouldn't you just love it that when you had to go, when you went to church, that we felt nothing in here, but we'd have to look across the street there somewhere down the block before we could see the glory of God. Come on now. Hallelujah. The Bible said... That when Moses went on the outside of the camp and he went to that tabernacle, that the, all of the people would go to the door of their tents and begin to watch after Moses. And then they would see the Bible said that the cloud would come down at the door of the tabernacle. Amen. And it would close Moses in. Come on. The cloud would close him in. The presence of God would enclose him. I'm telling you, church, that's what I'm looking for. I want the Spirit of God to enclose me. I want it to take me in that I can't see the religious, that I can't see them. That's on the outside until I get out there with them. Oh, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. We must separate ourselves from the religious. We must not only attend church, but we must get involved in church. There's more to this thing than coming in the door and paying our tithes. Come on. There. Yes, sir. There's more to it than just worshiping. There's more ways to worship than one. We worship in our giving. We worship in praising Him. But we also worship in obeying His commandments. Oh, God moved out, He said. And the Bible said any of those that wanted to meet with God had to go outside the camp. And I never read where any of them ever went out there. You know why? 
because they was afraid of God now. When God moved out of the camp, they was afraid to walk out there. It's hard telling what might have got them between them and the glory of God. There might have been a snake out there waiting on them just to bite them and kill them, you know. Because God's mad at them anyway. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yet this is the kind of world that we're living in. Where there are churches that God has moved out. And there's no presence no more. They could have written Ichabod on the door. The spirit of the Lord is departed. I'm telling you, we get worried sometimes when we come in here and everybody's a little bit draggy and nobody wants to worship, nobody wants to praise the Lord, nobody wants to get behind the preacher, nobody wants to get behind anybody that's singing. You know, you just feel like you're up here kind of doing something. You wonder if you're doing anything or not. Maybe sometimes we need to open the door and look outside see if he's in here or not. Maybe the glory's shining outside. Help us, Jesus. Glory. See, it's one thing to have your name on the church book, but it's another to have it written on the Lamb's book of life. Glory. We must bridle life's passions, and we must restrain life's desires. You hear me? I said... We must bridle life's passions and strain life's desires. Hallelujah. He said, you're stiff-necked. Hallelujah. So I'm just going to move. I'm just going to move out. I'm going I'm to leave you here. You let you think about what you've done. Jesus your man of God leaves and goes to the mountain 40 days and 40 nights to get instruction from from me and y'all get you a golden calf oh Jesus bless God we ain't done that or your golden calf may be a different It may be something different in your life. What is it that separates you from God? The Bible calls it a besetting sin that it's waiting at the door. Every time you walk out the door, there's a besetting sin. That's, hey, they're, they're, you, I'm going to tell you, we all had something that we were hanging to before we came to God. And there was... There was something that we had trouble getting rid of. So, come on. Come on. We all had something that we was hanging on to that we had trouble getting rid of. That may have been your ornament. That's something that you was hanging on to that, that may have been your ornament that you need to get rid of. And I venture to say that even coming into the church, there's been some people that's dropped back a little and picked up a few things. But we still pray, we still pay our tithes, we do it all. But I'm going to tell you something, it'll separate you from God. God said, I won't dwell in an unclean temple. It bothered me. I'm, I'm going to tell you about a year ago. I ain't going to tell you where I was at, but I went someplace and I seen somebody at a gas station. I was going to pay for my gas and I saw somebody that Suppose been a Christian for a lot of years, buying lottery tickets. Talk about somebody putting stuff in his pocket real quick. You know why? They're ashamed of it. 
They know better. Come on, church. That's your ornament. Come on. You believe in that more than you do God? You know what? It's because when you turn on the TV, he makes it so prevalent. The enemy makes it so prevalent. Oh, my goodness. Look at the Powerball tonight. Woo! Millions, millions, boy. Oh, my goodness. If What I could do with that. And you can spend all kinds of money and still not win that. Mr. Margaret, it ain't nothing but a slot machine. It's exactly what it is. Come on, church. We've got to separate ourselves from the religious. That seems right. Come on. That even looks good on the outside. Come on. But God looks on the heart and he sees what's going on. And he said, I'm moving out. I'm not staying here. I'm not going to be in the midst of you with all this sin hanging on. I'm moving out. Then it comes to the place that the next thing you know, the pastor's office saying, I, I don't feel God like I used to. I want to get back where I was. Well, maybe you need to get rid of your ornaments. What's hanging on you that you didn't used to have hanging on you? What have you picked back up? Come on, church. Or maybe it's the sin of omission that I've quit, I've quit a, a worshiping like I should. I don't clap my hands anymore. I don't stand no more. Come on. I don't feel, I don't feel nothing, so I don't do nothing. You better get rid of your ornaments. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I better hurry up here. Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Exodus 33, verse 22 and 23. 22 and 23. Lord, he's, he's talking to Moses. Moses says, God, I want to see your glory. Anybody want to see God's glory? So it came to pass while my glory. He, he tells, maybe I ought to go up a few verses. He said, thou canst not see my face, verse 20, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by that I will put thee in the cleft of the rock and I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away my hand and thou shalt see my backward parts but my face shall not be seen. In other words, all you can see is my past presence. Oh, oh, oh. Ooh, glory. Man, I could stop right here and preach on the past presence. All the glory that's filled this sanctuary time after time over since 2007, April the 1st. First service in here. God moved even in that first service. I won't forget that first service. It was a full house almost. And God moved in such a great way. His anointing was in this place. Hallelujah. The Lord said, I'm going to put my hand over you so you can't see my face, Moses. I'll let you see my backside, but you can't see my face because no man can see it and live. In other words, that's where the Shekinah is. It's on the face of Jesus Christ. That's why everybody says when I get to heaven, the first thing I want to see is the face of Jesus because no man can see it and live, but I'm going to have a new body. Right. Woo! I can't take it now, Sister Trout, but I'll be able to take it then. Come, come on. I, I, I get in tune with him 
like the other day in my office and I, I began to start to leave and the Holy Ghost kind of hit me when I was studying about this. I think just more or less to tell me, hey, you're in the will of God. You go ahead and preach it and I'll take care of it after that. And I began to speak in tongues uh, behind my chair and I couldn't quit for a while because God, come on the scene. I'm going to tell you, I feel his glory. I may not see it, but one day I will. I can see the effects of it of different times in this church. Come on. I may not see his glory, but I can see the effects of his glory. Glory. So it shows up on the face of God. And then Exodus 34 and verse 30. When Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone. And they were afraid to come nigh him. And if you want to go ahead and read the rest, you can read that chapter. And Moses had to put a veil on his face. You know why? Because he'd been in the presence of God. When you get in the presence of God 40 days... And 40 nights. He didn't know what it was like. But when he come down. Buddy he didn't have a tan. He was just glowing. God. So they said Moses will you cover up your face. We, we can stand here for some time. I can almost see him. We're backing up. They're afraid of him. They're scared to death of him. You know why? Because they were seen in the glory of God shine through Moses. And if it was shining that much through Moses, can you really even fathom what it would look like if it was God's face? So let me tell you, the world knows you by a glow on your face. There's, I've had them say, there's something different about you. I've still got it, Brother Mike. When I was leaving the power plant, I got all these little notes, all these emails from friends at the power plant that wrote me some little letters. And this one, I've, st I've still got them. They're at home in my files. And there's one young man. He was very respected of me. You know him very well, and he don't live around here no more, but he rides a motorcycle all the time. You know who I'm talking about now. This young man, he liked to talk to me. I didn't know I, didn't know I had effect on him. Come on. I want to tell you something. Church, when you're real, you'll have effect on people and not even know it. Because it's not you, but it's God that's in you. And he wrote me the sweetest note. He says, Polly, I just want you to know that I appreciate you. And he, asked, he said, I feel, I feel better just when I'm around you. And he said, you know, working with you, it's just, it's, 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 it's just I, I like to work with you. And he said, the truth is, he said, I feel like I'm a better person just by being around you. Come on. Come on, church. He wasn't bragging on me. He's bragging on my God. Come on, church. Come on, there ought to be a glory. That would show up on our face. That when the world sees them, that they're said, them people are real. There's something about them. I feel something when I talk to them. There's something that emanates from them spiritually. I feel something. They act different when they're around you. 
You know why? Because when you become real and God's in your life, there is a Shekinah glory that shines through. And not every church has got that. I wish they did. And I'm praying that God will move on the ones in this city that they'll receive that. What are we going to do if God moves outside? I'm about to close. I've been up here long enough. I'm going to go back to Exodus 33, and I want to read one verse of Scripture. Verse 15. Moses, here he is, he's talking to God again, and he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hither. He said, God, if you're not going to go, I don't want to go. He said, I don't care if you send an angel before me and devour all the enemies. If you're not going to go, then I don't want to go. I don't know that, but that, that gives me a lesson right there that I shouldn't go anywhere that God won't go. I'm in, a, I'm in a book right now that some of the old saints of old, some of them not even our, not even apostolics, but yet God used them in great ways. And I thought I'd, I'd got a hold of the article and the other day I'd, I'd read in there and I thought this was kind of cute, but this lady that was writing a book said that, uh, and she was, this is back in the 1800s, so, and then she, she lived up in the 19, I forget when she passed away, but anyhow, she read this, she, she said this, she said, I had never ever been to a movie theater until Way years later, when Mama was gone, and she said, "If Mama was alive, I probably she'd I, she'd work me over." But I want you to notice something. She said something. I thought, "This is somebody that walked for the Lord." And she said, "The truth is, is when I walked in there." I felt kind of funny and started looking around. Don't bother no more. That's almost scary. I'm going to tell you what, church. If you don't take off your ornaments, after a while it won't bother you no more. If you don't move that out of your life that's in there that needs to go before long. And I'm not standing up here and telling you you're going to go to hell for going. I'm not telling you that. But I'm going to tell you for me. I'm not going because everybody's watching me. And God's called me to a higher place. And if they see my car parked there, there might be one good movie out of three there. I don't know. That's not rotten to the core. But I guarantee you I'd get accused of watching the one that was. So I'm just going to stay where I'm at. Because the Bible said, hey, you, we we got we need to separate separate ourselves from the religious. Everything's all right today. You you just ask them. You guys is nuts. We're living under bondage. They they. I don't know, but I feel pretty free. Ain't nobody's coming. Told me at this church not to do this, not to do that, not to not to not to. 
You know what? But there is something about the Spirit of God that moves in us. There is a Holy Ghost that's dwelling on the inside. And I'm going to tell you, if you listen to it, it'll let you know when you need to get rid of some ornaments. It'll let you know. Hallelujah. When God moved out. I don't want him to move out. Hallelujah. Could we stand? Thank you, Jesus. Brother Mason, you can come. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church, I want us to search ourselves tonight. You may not be worshiping a golden calf. But my Bible tells me that it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things. Little things can keep you out of heaven. It's those things that seem like nothing. I don't want to be caught in the crosshairs of the enemy. This altar's open tonight. Amen. Let's get a hold of God and let's keep him in this church. I like his presence being here. And it's going to have to be more than be here, but it's going to have to be manifested in us before we're ever going to have the revival that God wants his church to have. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Altars open. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.